This is Bariatric Life Podcast, where we share stories about weight loss surgery. We are not doctors, nor have we ever played one on TV. Please contact your doctor for medical advice. Now on to the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Bariatric Life. This is Amanda. Today we're going to listen to Melanie's story and her struggles after having weight loss surgery. Enjoy. Okay, so if you could tell us what your Instagram name is. Sure, it's my ruin Y. So it's like you do M Y R O U X, and then it's underscore the letter N underscore, and then the word W H Y. Um, I chose that because it's like my why and then my surgery was the ruin why so it was kind of a kind of a merging of those things right i love it and yeah. what was your highest weight uh 314 and did you have a do you recall a surgery weight yeah 287 and what's your current uh 175 76 kind of fluctuates wow. a little bit right there yeah that's yeah. awesome and yeah. then do you do you have a goal weight of mine or have you already met that you know, I never picked one. So it was always interesting. Some people kind of had a number and, and I think the, the goals I had in mind was I didn't want to be on the obesity scale with BMI anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, wanted my life back, you know? And so, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so when I worked with my dietitian, we never had, because like, I hear people talk like, oh, you're on this certain kind of like schedule until you get to maintenance. And then you sort of change your diet. Like that was never my path. Now I, I also had a lot of complications and we can get into that. So my, my road was very different, but even before I went off trail, um, we never had, we never, cause she said, do you, do you want a, a goal weight? And I said, I no, I don't know that I, it wasn't important to me. I just, right. it was interesting. Like for some people it's the number on the scale. And for me, it's achievements, like being able mm-hmm. to run again and being able to climb mountains and, you know, do different things that I wanted yeah. to do. And so that didn't have a, a scale number that had mm-hmm. a mobility number to me. So, right. Or maybe even yeah. a goal feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And why did you choose weight loss surgery? Yeah, it's a real interesting path. I have a long history of ulcer uh, disease and GERD. And so I had been working with my gastroenterologist and initially, cause I was choking on, food and water, like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what the complication that I had, you know, the reason he sort of brought this up for me was, um, the lower esophageal muscle, um, had eroded from acid, you know, and so that it wouldn't close when I ate. So then I ended up, um, you know, just being miserable all the time. And so yeah. the initial consult was actually for a procedure called the fund application, where they sort of take some of your tissue, surrounding tissue, and they, he, the way they described it is they make a cloak to sort of close that sphincter muscle off so that it would stay closed when you ate. Um, and so he's like, there's one person, I live in Washington State, there's one person in Washington I would recommend. And so he sent me to this guy at the University of Washington 
And I met with him and he's, and my gastroenterologist said, by the way, given your weight, the likelihood is they'll recommend doing the gastric sleeve at the same time, because, you know, the kind of combining both to get your weight at a level because weight affects, you know, your GERD and, you know, and all that other stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I kind of went in with that mindset. And so then when I met with him, He's like, well, he's half right. Um, and I was like, okay. And he said that you actually, the only thing that will help you is gastric bypass. He said, because mm-hmm. even if I got you to where you could lose enough weight to do this other procedure, he said, if you gain even five or 10 pounds for the rest of your life, so I'm thinking, oh, oh okay, my. that's realistic. Oh my God. Uh, then you, yeah. right. And he said that you run the risk of this, whatever thing they do slipping and then causing like a, a life-threatening emergency. I'm like, well, I'm not going to live like that, you know? And yeah, so really. he said, really the only fix is gastric bypass because you will no longer, food can no longer come up, you know? And uh-huh. so it just reroutes how I ate and that would resolve not worrying about having to fix that um, sphincter muscle. And I was like, okay. So I sat on it for a year, you know, I was like, mm, I'm not sure. And, um, and then finally I got miserable enough. That I'm like, I'm so sick of choking on water and food that he gave me the name that of the person he recommended also at the university of Washington, and so that's how I ended up at the, um, UW weight loss center. And, uh, it's, it was, yeah, my surgeon, I, I would recommend him to anybody and everybody, his bedside manner and his skill in the OR, like saved my life multiple times. Um, and, uh, I wouldn't choose anybody but him at this point. And who was that? His name is Sarab Kandawal. So uh, Dr. Kandawal is what I go by this his full name because I didn't realize there was actually two Kandawals at UW and um, <laughs> different different um, specialties. But uh, um, yeah. And then, so what kind of com- complications did you have? Yeah, like, so um, first thing that happened to me, which they kind of pegged as normal. Cause you know, a lot of people have a hard time, like, you know, getting the fluid down and staying hydrated. So I was sort of in that. Yeah. You know, for some people it's a little harder initially. So they just kept monitoring me. Um, but by seven weeks in, I wasn't able to keep any food down, any, any fluids down. And so I had gone in for multiple rounds of like uh, IV and banana bags and shots and everything just to try mm-hmm. to like they kept thinking, they kept thinking it's going to turn around, you know? And so right. they just kind of were just band-aiding things along the way, go get the, you know, IV fluids, go get the, you know, vitamin bags. And, and they were giving me shots of, I don't even know what thiamine and some other things along the way. <laughs> and then at seven weeks I was in there and he said, I, I have to put you back in the hospital. I was so malnourished by that point that they decided they were going to put a feeding tube down my nose. And, oh shit! and so yeah, no, it got the oh shit gets you know further down here, but <laughs> oh no, uh, so uh, oh no, I, I yeah, like it's a crazy story, and um, and so I went in, got my feeding tube, and my fun story I tell you know in this whole process is that when I was being checked into to uh, when I was at the doctor's office and he told me I had to go over to the hospital and check in first, I said, well, I'm going to go home and clean my house first because you know why why not you know because I'm not yeah. going to go right away. I want to go get all the things that I want. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in the hospital. I'm going to get the, my headphones. I'm going to get all of my comforts. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I was like, that I'll go home and then I'll <laughs> right get all Just the good stuff. And so yeah, 
Exactly. And, and so I, I came home and they said to check in by, I don't remember what it's called, four o'clock. So I made it back um, to Seattle and, and I said, well, I just need you to know I have a wedding to go to on Sunday. And he goes, well, you're not going to be out of the hospital then. So, but I have a wedding to go to on Sunday. So I brought all my wedding clothes with me and every doctor, every nurse that came in, that came into my room and said, I have a wedding to go to on Sunday. And they're like, well, you're not going to be out of the hospital. I said, I have a wedding to go to. And so I kept saying it, saying it, saying it. And I What's wore, question, I wore them all I'm down. That, you. Right. Like I'm letting <laughs> you know, like this is happening, you know? So whatever has to happen for this to happen, it's going to happen. And so, um, I managed to get the feeding tube company to reroute all my feeding tube supplies to the hospital instead of sending to my house. So I had my machine. I got another nurse convinced her to program it for me. Had another nurse get my uh, bring in a hair dryer for me because you know I'm thinking hotel, but hospitals don't have hair dryers, you know. So I didn't bring one with me. <laughs> so and then finally, because her wedding was on Sunday, and I said to the doctor. The, that came in, I said, look, I said, there's some people you apologize to. And there's other people you move mountains said this friend, I have to be at this wedding. And so yeah. they agreed to let me out. Like I literally walked out the front door, still attached to all my IV cords, got the feeding tube, you know, pack on me. They gave me the number to the charge nurse, walked out, you know, to the wedding. I had an escort the whole time. Obviously I didn't just get to leave on my own. And um, a friend came and got me and I went to the wedding and they said, well, just come back before the shift change, so you don't scare the new nurse. Like, who are you? you know, so, so, so they they let me go, and it was just fantastic. And to this day, it's of, of all the hard moments, that moment will always stand out as like that was so worth fighting for. And yeah. I was so sick, and I was so tired. It took me five hours to take a shower and just get my clothes on because I was so malnourished. But I'm just I, I I smile of of the beginning of my road down. I still hold that as one of my you know, like I'm so thankful I had that moment in the midst of just a season that just got darker and darker. And yeah. um, so I had, you know, they initially just found it, you know, another ulcer, which they're just like, you know, like make ulcers like babies. It's just kind of crazy. They just kept coming and coming. And, and so they just kept throwing more meds at me. And um, but then I went through, I wrote down these stats cause it was, this is just in the first four months that I went through. Um, in the first four months of my recovery, I had 10 hospital and ER visits. I had three hospital stays, five feeding tube failures, 12 IV lines, 54 shots, 18 doctor's appointments, malnutrition, 15 doses of medicine a day, refeeding syndrome, nausea, vomiting, dehydration, depression, and the collapse of my local support system. Oh, wow. Holy shit. And that's, that's in 112 days. All of that wow. happened to me in the first 112 Damn. days of surgery. Yeah. And so it got, it got really dark, you know, and, um, and my body just like literally shut down there. They, the only thing that they could then label is that I went to this place of like failure to thrive. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if either of you guys know the terminology of refeeding Mm -hmm. syndrome, but it's, you know, like they, so if you think back to like when their people were in concentration camps, if they ate too quickly after being starved, or ate too much, they would die. And they, and, and because your body goes into a kind of shock. And so my body had reached that level. And so they, they could only drip two tablespoons of, um, 
uh, feeding tube, you know, they call it mm-hmm. enteral feeding into my body over the course of an hour. Like th- that was the max wow. I could have was two tablespoons dripped in me per hour to make sure that my body doesn't go into that kind of shock. And, wow. and then slowly over time, they would work towards, you know, inc- you know, increasing so that I would, you know, would have more nutrition available to me. But initially I was so in such a uh, deprived place that they, they couldn't mm-hmm. do any more than that. Um, without, without putting my risk for cardiac arrest. Right. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. So then did everything just magically change or was there? (laughs) No, it did not. Like it it took, um, I had a feeding tube from October of 19 until January of 2021. And, um, and so after five feeding tube failures, uh, they finally actually did a surgical procedure right before the pandemic shut everything down. That's its own crazy story of how that all happened. But um, they put one in my stomach and and that saved my life. And I had that sucker, you know, until January of 2021. And, um, and I was really thankful because just if you've ever had anything on your face, even if you had like a, you know, like a, a big infection yeah. or anything, there's something so like... Um, depressive like because your face is what everybody sees about you and so Mm -hmm. people would look at me they would make assumptions you know like oh she must have cancer like there was just all this stuff that you know said about you and so it was so painful to like look in the mirror and your body's changing like drastically just from the surgery Mm -hmm. and then there's this thing that's like making you look like an alien and yeah and so um it was it was such a it was a really dark you know season of life and mm-hmm. as a therapist I'm like oh my gosh I'm depressed and, <laughs> and I know all the things but you know like it doesn't matter how much you know up here when you're living it out right. like it it's so painful like I can't think my way out can't use my own like skills to get me out like I'm mm-hmm. in the throes and you know I needed needed help, you know, for myself in that space. And thankfully I had therapists and, you know, some, some people that, you know, could speak into that space for me. And, and, um, but it took, I mean, it took me the first two years of my post-op were, were pure survival. And, um, you know, and I'm almost marching towards my third year in August, it'll be three years. And, and this is the first year where I can say like, I'm well, and I'm doing really, really well, but, you know, when they talk so much about how like, you know, there's, you know, it's a, it's a very risky surgery, you know, all mm-hmm. the things, you know, but it's like, oh, 1%, you know, and you think, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you kind of blow off, right. like, you know, you could have yeah. this and this could happen, infection, you know, so you kind of just, you know, yeah. you know, do this to, to it. But when you're that, when you end up being that 1%, then it's like, it illuminates like, like how, how big of a surgery, you know, it really is to take mm-hmm. on and, um, and again, I had great care, like, uh, that, and I'm so thankful that I had local care because I know people that, you know, for affordability reasons, they'll like go overseas, you know, and, and get it, you know, but a lot of times the insurance doesn't cover, you know, anything on, you know, of, of any, you know, the, if you have any problems like back in America mm. and, you know, and my insurance didn't pay for any like of my surgery, even though I was medically, you know, everything, you know, mm-hmm. lined up, 
being in Washington state, they do not have to, you know, the state plans do not have to um, require covering um, bariatric surgery, even if it's like medically necessary. And my situation wasn't even like, oh, it's because I just want to lose weight. I knew that would be a side benefit it would help me in a lot of ways, but I, I was choking on everything. And, yeah. and even then they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch it. And so, you know, I had to pay out of pocket and grateful that some friends encouraged me to set up a GoFundMe page and in it, like it saved me from bankruptcy, you know, because yeah. then I had about 50 grand worth of complications and I was able to fight for a lot of those to get covered because of mm. my history of ulcers and all that. But even to have to fight like for yourself when you're yeah. like surviving, you know, having to like push back on insurance companies and write appeals and, you know, I mean, it, it, it took everything out of you, but I was like, I am not paying $14,000 for another endoscopy. Like I'm not doing it. And, yeah. And so um so anyhow like it's it's this weird com combination of like so grateful that i was at like one of the you know best places i could be at uw as a you know medical school and and they got top-notch you know like professors and doctors like all of my doctors were also professors at the medical school so i'm like mm -hmm. you know you're getting the cream of the crop you know but then also just the reality of like you have to fight on so many levels. Like it's the physical choices you make. It's the, the mental battle that you go through, you know, body dysphoria, all the things, you know, mm -hmm. just making good choices, you know, and then, and then you have to fight a medical system, which feels so wrong that you have to then use yeah, whatever yeah. energy you have left, you know, to try to get people to believe like I'm worth the care. Right. You know? And, and, and that, that part was really draining for sure. Yeah. So did they ever determine what I mean was there like a root cause for all of it or just everything it's just, yeah I mean they they kind of knocked on the doors of things like potentially like gastroparesis like which is sort of like when your stomach just like paralyzes for a season but ultimately at the end of the day the diagnosis they got everything paid for you know in terms of when I was in the hospital was just failure to thrive. And, mm -hmm. you know, which is, you know, you know, such a primal thing back in infancy when, you know, babies just don't like don't grow, like yeah. something happened in my system that just shut the whole thing down. And it took two years to wake up. Damn. So today, do you regret having the surgery? Not at all. And I know that can sound crazy with everything that I said, um, I mean, it, it was, it, it took me to my brink. There's no, there's no doubt in terms yeah. of like being so close to death, you know, you know and, and all that at different points. But the things that I get to do now, um, are, are still worth the, the journey that I had. And even just recovering parts of me, I used to be an athlete in soccer and, you know, and ski all the time. And so there's something of being able to like reclaim a part of you that just felt like it was gone for good. And yeah. then just the space of opening up like, like new roads and new avenues. And, and, and so no regrets, but I, but I think it's like partly why I was willing to talk is like, I, we don't, most of the stories are awesome, you know, and people are like, mm -hmm. oh, so, you know, other right. than maybe a little hiccup here and there, but sometimes you're that person. And when nobody yeah. else is talking about it, then you feel like, like I did something wrong. My surgeon did something wrong, like, or, you know, just sort of that sort of, and I think, you know, for many people in bigger bodies, there's a sense of not, nothing ever works. Like, you know, the diets didn't work. See, now this doesn't even work for me. And so you can get really yeah. like stuck in like a mental loop that just like, you know, spirals down. And I was like, you know, it took me a couple years, you know, to be able to like, I I'm at a point, like the way I describe it to my friends is like, 
my story, like it was one of those stories that had to be lived first and told right. later. And, and but yeah. I feel like it's important <clears throat> to tell now, but every ounce of my energy was just trying to not die, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, but I was like, I never saw another story. Like when I'd go onto Instagram or different things, you know, or Facebook, I never saw people talking about, you know, like, like, Hey, I'm, I'm one of those people that had the really like severe complications and it would just have felt less lonely. And it's been kind of cool because as I started just only in December, writing out some of my story on Instagram, I've now had like three or four people that are currently in some degree of some pretty significant complications find me. And it's been really great to be able to encourage them, you know, and say, Hey, like, you know, here's one of the things that helped me or like, these are the things you want to ask. Or like even one of them reached, you know, had said like, is anybody like didn't have insurance pay for this? And then how do they get the, you know, you know, complication? Like, well, this is the diagnosis they use for me. You know, you might try that. Like, there's just a a way that I, that I'm just glad that I'm at a point where I can tell the story and hopefully Mm -hmm. it will help some people, you know, along the way that did go through, you know, Mm -hmm. some very, you know, variation of, um, of complications. Well, and and you said that you're you're part of that one percent, and you you know you you just assume when you hear one percent, well, I'm not a multimillionaire, I'm not a billionaire, right. I'm not part of that one percent. I won't be part of this one percent either. And then right. you wake up one day and you're like, "Holy shit, I'm part <laughs> of the wrong one percent. I want out. Yeah. I want a refund. Yeah. I want out." And, yep. and but then at the same token, you're like, "Well, I'm part of the one percent. There's." there's nobody that I can, that can really relate to me and that I can really relate yeah. to. It's always, I'm, I, you know, it's almost like it's the footnote of the larger, you know, gastric surgery mm-hmm. book. And you're yep. like, no, th- this is not a footnote. This is my entire fucking life mm-hmm. is, is this 1%. And you don't think it's going to happen to you until it happens to you. Right. Right. Well, and I mean, I I never had that thought. I I didn't either. And and that's why talking to somebody that, that is living that it's, it kind of retroactively makes me scared. I know. Like, (laughs) oh my God, what, what, what if X, Y, and Z would have happened? Right. So yeah. did you have moments during all of that where you regretted having the surgery? Oh, I'd say the word regret never came up. I think what was so difficult for me was like there, I had to try and take care of myself with no guarantee. Cause like when mm-hmm. they put the feeding tube in my stomach, there was no guarantee it was ever coming out, yeah. you know? And so this, you know, you, so you, you look at these, like they you know, wanted me to keep trying to eat and I could get, you know, the baby teaspoons, literally the baby spoons. And I'm just thinking, what's the point, you know, like this won't ever keep me alive, you know, like, but mm-hmm. it was this idea of like, how do you, how do you sort of mother and coach a body like through something mm-hmm. without being able to say, Hey, in six months or after we can eat, you know, X, Y ounces, you know, kind of thing, then it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it was scary to me. There still wasn't regret, but I was scared going, I might always need like nutritional support. And, and I think I was really humbled by that because, you know, you, you know, it's like for someone maybe that, you know, like had an injury and they had to relearn how to walk, you know, or something Mm -hmm. where it's like, these were skills we learned as a baby. 
Right. And here I was, you know, in my forties and, and I'm having to teach my body to eat again. And yeah. that just, I think it, it just made me feel really small mm-hmm. and, and going and, and that was, that was where it was hard in my head is mm-hmm. like, like I'm starting over. Right. And, and I might always need a little extra help, even if I can get a certain amount of calories you know, I, I may not be able to get enough to live mm-hmm. on still. Yeah. So are that's you, where we got stuck for me. Are you able to eat normally now? Yeah. I mean, overall, I, I, I will always have days like, so I literally have a prescription that I can carry on the airplane for protein shakes and Gatorade zero and water. Um, because there are still days that my body will just go, eh, no interest. You know, yeah. and I don't have the luxury, like most people can go like, you know, just have a day where they don't eat much. But with the level of malnutrition that I had, you know, my dietitian's like, you, 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 can't go 12 yeah, hours. you don't play here. You don't play here. And so, so I always, <clears throat> whenever I travel, you know, I carry, you know, at least one or two protein shakes with me, some Gatorade zero and some water in case I have, you know, like, and I just had one last week where I was like, no food did not it it was like my body just had no interest and no even like i can go all day like like i never got back the whole the um fullness hunger stuff Mm -hmm. you know like every so often i'll feel hungry or every so often i'll feel full but overall i have to eat by the clock and eat by the ounce and and i have to let go of like oh i'm hungry for chicken you know kind of thing because overall that doesn't occur for me it's coming back in spurts and I'm uh, grateful for those moments. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I really want this and I can go have that. Um, but most of the time it's, I use the clock and I use a bento box because that's the, the, the easiest way for me to um, kind of measure my food out is, um, is yeah. through that. And then has the guard improved? Yeah, I still have to take medicine. The the goal was that I would get off, but again, I'm one of those people that you know. Apparently, um, I'm on less. I'm on half of what I used to be, so that's still a, a huge that's improvement. Yeah. And I don't I don't have any symptoms, but because it's, we've tried taking me off three times, and every time I get an ulcer, so like oh. you're not coming off again, you know, because <laughs> we can't we can't run the risk of going downhill to the level I did. So it's it's I'm a lifer yeah. on those, but at least I'm on a half dose of of what I used to be. So you mentioned a little bit about your support system. What what is that like for you? Yeah, so I actually live on an island. Um, so um, it's it's not as fancy as it sounds, but um, so I had some friends here that I really thought would would be there <laughs> for me. Um, and in the throes of my you know worst days, they disappeared, and and it was incredibly painful because all those oh. doctor visits and hospital stays, other than I would say a f- maybe three, I drove myself to. You know, so like I'm in writhing pain, like crossing the ferry, mm-hmm. crossing what's called 520 bridge and make in, in pulling into the ER in tears, you know, trying to get care, you know, for my situation. And um, I have some really wonderful friends that live out of state. And when I first had my surgery, one of my dearest friends came and literally slept on my floor for two weeks, you know, in my initial recovery. And she really believed she was doing a handoff to the people that I was mentioning. 
And, and so, you know, yeah. she's talked about how she felt bad and like, she was in Michigan and like, she, she didn't do anything wrong. There was no way to know right. that these people would just kind of evaporate, you know, from my life. And, and, and I think sometimes it reveals like, you know, um, some people don't do well when, when someone's suffering and the way they handle it is yeah. they, they, they disappear. And it's obviously the worst thing that can happen to you in the moment as the person needing mm. care. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it, it was a dark, lonely time. And, and I have that, I have a, you know, more local friends that it's growing now, you know, but at the time when I really, really needed like just down to like, you know, taking me to a doctor's appointment, like I, I had to manage all of that by myself. And yeah. And, uh, um, so it's, it's, it's a tough one when you don't have like, you know, I, I'm single, so I don't, you know, I don't have a spouse. And so I didn't have a built in person to like, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, you're going to take me to the hospital or anything like that. Right. I, I didn't have anything like that. And, and the hard place with where I live is you have to take a ferry to get to me, you know, and then I have to take a ferry back over to, so even, mm-hmm. you know, like family and friends that live on the other side, it's not a realistic thing for someone to come to me, to take me, to come to me, to leave. Like it's yeah. not, yeah. it's just not a, it's not, a, you know, it, it, it's, it's not realistic, you know. Were you going to say something? I was going to ask, was oh, there pseudo related, but pseudo not like, are there, were there limitations with the time that the ferry ran? Was that ever a concern or was it a 24? Oh style? yeah. No, no. So, um, you, the first boat leaves at like four forty-five in the morning and the last one leaves like midnight ish. And so you have this window that if something's happening in the middle of the night, then you have to drive all the way around, you know, to, to, to get off the Island or you have to get medevaced, which, you know, is, a lot of money. Uh, yeah. So you don't want that, you know, you don't want that, but, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, I kept going back to UW because they had my history. There's a hospital mm-hmm. about 40 minutes away that I got one round of IVs at. Um, so at least didn't have to go across the water, but because of everything that I was going through, I wanted to be back with my surgical team right, right. and it, and it proved important because I had to, I had to have an emergency surgery just like a month, not even a month after my one year, you know, sur- you know, surgery anniversary, my colon started twisting and some scar tissue developed. And so I went to this emergency surgery, I had to go into the ICU, like, you know, and so, and thankfully I went back over there because, um, because he works for the med school, he, I was meeting residents like throughout my, all these visits, like these residents would come in and I think they all like, Ooh, Melanie's back. Like, let's do this case study because I'm this oddball that they're learning things about as a student mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone else that was coming through. And this one woman came in and I was, you know, like writhing in pain. And she goes, you know, Melanie, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm, I work with Dr. Kandawal and this is like midnight, you know, like, you know, at this point and, and I didn't remember her. She goes, um, but she goes, I know that Dr. Kandawal would want to be the one to read in on your case. So I didn't call the surgeon on call. I called him and he wanted me to tell you that he's on his way. Like this is Saturday morning, one o'clock in the morning, he's coming in to perform the surgery. And, and so I'm so thankful. Like she, like, you know, that she had met me to know like, yeah. this isn't a normal situation. Let's get, you know, her person on board and, and that he'd be willing to come over. So it was an extra effort to go to my, my you mm-hmm. know, the hospital, but it, it saved me multiple times because I didn't have to explain anything. You know, yeah. I would call the the number that they, there's a, they give you unlike a lot of places I think do, but 
kind of the after hours number for your surgical mm -hmm. team. And so I'd call that, you know, I think that all of them knew me by, hey, it's Melanie, you know, like, what do you need yeah. now? You know, so, <laughs> um, but, you know, so they, they would always know I'm coming. And so they would look for me, you know, in the ER. Yeah. And so they were always reading in on my case. And I appreciated that because, you know, if you just go into the ER, you got the ER docs and they're there for that reason to, to you know, like do right. the emergent stuff. But when you're that complicated case, like you want your history talked to by the people that like took care of you. Right. Yeah. You, need, you need somebody that knows the history, that knows who, what, mm -hmm. where, when, why, and how, and not somebody that's going to look at something and go, uh, this is probably gas. Go home. You'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, truly. Absolutely. This is probably heartburn. Go home. You're fine. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. my God. She died. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I kept, I kept getting, Oh, you have heartburn. And it turned out I had pancreatitis and my gallbladder oh, was, blocking ducks and stuff yeah, and yeah gallstones and pancreatitis and yeah they they said that had you not come in for that surgery that you probably would have died within three days but yeah i wow. i had heartburn yeah yeah it's heartburn <laughs> go home you'll be fine but you saved a lot of time not having to explain everything to right. everybody mm -hmm. and <clears throat> convince yeah. them of you know what was really going on yeah i remember yeah. why i was going to ask you so How's the support system now? It's really good. Yeah, I've do, you know developed some new local friends, and then the same like group of people. Um, I had like five women that just really, really stayed with me, and like even on my one year anniversary, like hosted this beautiful Zoom, you know, um, gathering because at that time we were in the throes of the pandemic and and all that. But they you know kind of held a you know celebration and and. I needed my kitchen sort of retrofitted with like bariatric friendly pots and pans mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and different things. And so they, they purchased all of that for me and, and I opened it on, you know, the call with them and just, they spoke words of life, you know, over me that really meant a lot. And, and it was one of those things where, you know, I, I was really believing like at my one year, I'm like, okay, we're moving from surviving to thriving. And then, like I said, within three weeks, I'm back in the hospital with this emergency yeah. surgery. And, um, and then in the throes, like insult to injury to, on everything else that was going on, I live, um, in a studio above a garage and I have 14 stairs that, that lead down to the, oh, no. um, and, uh, in June of 2020, I fell and, um, wrecked my shoulder, wrecked my ankle and, and thankfully didn't rip my feeding tube out that, you know, had been put in. Um, because at that time they're still like, you know, had everything canceled for what they called elective mm -hmm. surgery, right. which included removing stitches. Now, come on. Like, so I had <laughs> stitches from March until June that were stuck in me that were growing over because that was elective. I'm like, there's nothing elective. So I never, I didn't get my permanent tube until like three months, almost four mm -hmm. months after the surgery. Um, uh, but then I ended up needing two shoulder surgeries and, 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 and all this other stuff. So it, I mean, it was just like, can any, and I, mean, I don't want to say this now, but you kind of do anything else, like, you know, right. but it was just like, come on. So it just, you know, and of course I'm, I'm left-handed and it was my left shoulder and the, and it literally like was right over my feeding tube, which in some ways it was the beginning of like having to, in a kind way, force myself to eat because initially I wasn't allowed to move my arm whatsoever. So mm -hmm. I couldn't access my feeding tube. 
<clears throat> so my dietitian and I just like was like drinking protein shakes, but I had to be careful because she's like, you drink too many, then you like blow your kidneys up, you know, and you don't want to do that, you know, in terms yeah. of like, you know, giving it too much protein. Oh, so it was that. this, oh yeah, you can't, you're supposed to be, you know, more mindful, um, apparently, you know, but, uh, <laughs> um, I know I, uh, so I would just start practicing a little bit more and a little bit more and, and it took, you know, one, two, three, four, about four months of, of that, where we finally said, okay, let's do this. And it was really, to me, it was one of the most special moments because again, still in the throes of pandemics this January of 2021, they're still not seeing people in office. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, we can't virtually take a feeding tube out. You know, I did take my one nasal one out. It was, it was dead. And I was like, I'm not keeping this in here, you know? So I went on YouTube and figured out how to take one out. <laughs> and so, so I, and then I decided I'm like, I think I should record this. Like, this is one of those moments you're going to want to look at. <laughs> so disgusting. It was four feet. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like, it so disgusting. <laughs> Pulling that thing out. It's so funny, but I haven't, I haven't forever recorded. Cause I'm like, that's a moment. And, um, but, uh, uh, Anyway, I was the only patient in person and they hadn't seen anybody. So like, everybody's like, Ronnie, you know, and they're all happy to like, it's like, they finally a human in the office again, but they just celebrated me. And because they'd, all of them had walked with me, the people at the front desk, you know, I'd call in, you know, they'd get me situated, my nurse navigator, Barb, like all, they were just, they just sat with me. So I was there for so long, long past them pulling the tube out, which took seconds, you know, but we just, they were just kind of sat and like, it's been a journey. And so it was really in some ways they wouldn't have been able to spend that time had it been normal, you know, you know, normal season, but it felt appropriate to sort of sit and, like reflect on like, it has been, you know, a year and a half, you know, almost two years of just going this way, going down, going down. And to finally feel like, Oh, we're getting there to the point that we all believed it was safe enough to take out. I was scared. I mean, legitimately scared, even though I was like, I I feel like it's time. I was like, what if I can't do it? You know, what if they have to put it back in, you know? And, and I would say only in the last, I mean, it's been out a year now, just over a year. I'd say probably in the last three months, my mind has finally said, like, I think you're okay. Every time my stomach had, you know, stomach pain, it was panic, you know? I mean, because mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, no. we Because in the beginning, every pain had like a major meaning. You know, now it's like, oh, so this is what it means when you eat too fast. Never had that experience, you know, like, you know, where else oh, yeah. people talk about different things. And I didn't, I didn't have any of that initially. And I think some of the sadness for me is I also didn't have some of the, the joy, you know, that people talk about, Oh, like I reached this, you know, goal, whether it be a goal weight, my first 50 pounds and then people put balloons up and all, which is so cool. Like that people like take a picture and celebrate. I was just like trying to not die, you know? So there wasn't yeah. any of these right. like normal things. Like I went shopping for the first time and when just, you know, got to go to the, you know, the non plus size, you know, section or whatever, I missed out on all of that sort of like journey towards like, you know, the beauty, the, this, the, you know, like in terms of this, the things that people like, you know, like I did something yeah. special for myself. I didn't have any of that, you know? And so I do feel sad about that. Like, like my first major, what I call like my favorite non-scale victory was climbing Mount Walker. And, and it is this, like, it's two miles literally straight up and, and it's equivalent to, 
fly, uh, what did they say? Uh, 200 flights of stairs. Like I mean, you, oh immediately, you, immediately, you, immediately, you immediately like start, you know, ascending from the very beginning <laughs> of the trail and you don't stop until you get to the top. But when you get to the top, you can see Mount Rainier and Mount, and, and Mount Baker and all that stuff. And that like, like being able to push my body mm. and believe like, you know, you know, because I might have been pushed to the brink in so many other ways, like for me to pick something that was challenging and to conquer it, like I, that will always be one of my favorite moments. Well, and just to be able to choose the obstacle you're not, you're going to overcome and not mm. be like, yes. well, I guess I either overcome this or I die. So exactly to be exactly. able to choose what you want to, to yeah. challenge yourself for or to challenge yourself with. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you get thrown on a road Beautiful. that you don't pick, you know, but now you're on it and like you, you can't get off it, you know? And, right. and so it's like, well, now that I'm on it, I'm, I'm just going to have to see it through because you can't, you can't undo it. It's sort of like when people say, I can't pray away cancer. I can't, like you can't, there's, right. you can't make it not exist. Like it exists and you're here. And now what are you going to do about it? Yep. What other kind of forms of exercise do you enjoy? Yeah, I have a new addiction. You know, they talk about transfer addiction. Thank goodness it's not alcohol or something else. Um, mine's my <laughs> Apple Watch. You know, so currently I'm on 510 days in a row closing all my rings, you know, and I just refuse to like not have a day where it doesn't get closed. So I'm at I'm at the gym seven days a week. And, oh, wow. and I love it. And and I love running 5Ks. I'm going to run one this, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. And I'm trying to get my time under 30 minutes. That's my next big goal because that means I have to run like nine minute, 30-ish miles, you That's know, a minute fast. mile. Uh-huh. And and I'm loving pushing myself in that way. I, I, I'm i just at 10, just over 10 right now. So I'm close. But, you know, when it comes to shaving, you know, a minute or two off and running is a mm -hmm. lot, you know, it's not like, you know, right. oh, like, three seconds, you know, it's like, no, I got to like, somehow, yeah. you know, get her up there. Um, but I love that. I work with a trainer, um, like about once a week, you know, if I can, maybe, maybe every other week and do some, a lot of it's been my shoulder rehab. So, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, so we do a lot of upper body, a lot of strength training kind of things. And, and then I love to hike. And, um, so I, yeah, I'm doing something every day and, and, and it's funny because, you know, I think back to like, my schedule really hasn't changed from the standpoint of like my work schedule is still roughly the same, you know, though I have my office on the Island now and I have to go into Seattle, which saves me a ton of time, by the way. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, but the reality is like, I could have made time for some of these things, you know, you know, before my surgery now, yeah. now it's a priority, but you start to realize like, Oh, th th that saying is really true. Like we make time for what's important to us. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so like I found the time now and now I won't give it up. Like even when I, I've had to fly a lot recently to, for different things. And, and I was like, okay, so that means, I mean, or even for example, with my, I'll say this, this is how crazy I am. I had my shoulder surgery first one in November, 2020. And I was like, okay, well I can't eat. And I can't drink, but somehow I still got to close my exercise ring. So I went and ran two <laughs> miles. I ran two miles um, before my surgery with no food, you know, no, 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 you know, hydration or whatever. And then I was like, okay, it's a mile and a quarter to the ferry. And so I'll run to my surgery and, and I'll just take myself <laughs> to my own surgery. 
and you know, it's so crazy. Like, think I need some help. And but I'm a therapist. So I'm like, I'm diagnosed. I'm good. You know, but um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. Therapist. I'm good. It's all fine. It's all fine. But um, but I was like, I got, and then I'm like, oh, I got to get enough in so that like it's all done before like, I have to get actually check in. So I'm walking up and down U Dub's hospital, getting the rest of my steps in, like get her all done. And I was on the phone with a friend in Philly, and and she's like, you're just you're nuts. And I said, I know, I know, but I'm getting this done. And so by the time they, you know, I had to get called back for my surgery, I closed my ring so I could go to bed. <laughs> so I just have this mental image of you walking laps in in the waiting room, and the doctors and the scrub nurses are like, "Ma'am, ma'am, it really is time. We need to go." Yeah, like, not yet. Yeah, not yet. Three hundred more steps, ma'am. Yeah. No, like now. Yeah, well, you hey, gotta catch me first. <laughs> there's yeah. worse addictions to have. Yeah, right. I know. Like it's it it and it feels good because like it's just a reminder of like it's a, I have a gratitude every day like that I can I can actually do this and mm-hmm. uh, like even when I was in the hospital during uh, when they put my feeding tube in my stomach, you know, it, I would say this is an accomplishment. I managed to get ten thousand steps walking the nurse's station you know and if you know like it's yeah. that's a lot of laps you know and they yeah. and they started they would start cheering me on they all got to know me because i just zoom zoom you know and just kept, you know and, and um but it is like i i don't feel bad about it i think what will be good for me one day is when like to say for you know i wake up sick or whatever like to actually go you know what it's okay like you're not going to lose ground. Cause I think sometimes like we, we, you know, like if we don't eat these exact foods or we don't do these exact things and we have one day where we indulge on something or we miss, you know, a workout. Like I think some of the panic can rise up like that. It's the beginning of the end, you know, versus like, no, I get to be human in this process. And, you know, and there are days that things don't go as well, or, you know, I'm not going to be able to get it all done. Like I, there will be a day that'll be good for me. But right now, my, my goal right now is like, I want to make it two years. And I'm not that far off. It's got to get to November, you know, at this point. But I'm like, I managed through all the hell that I went through. Mm-hmm. Like even, you know, that I still managed to, to do this, you know, and I had to like lower some of my goals, you know, at times because it mm-hmm. wasn't realistic, you know, to try to get, you know, whatever the numbers were at the time. Like, and it was okay. But I'm like, my goal was to keep moving. And and I know one of the questions you had asked me is like, you know, if there's someone on the beginning of their journey, like, what would you say to them? Like, like the thing that saved me in this whole process is I never stopped moving, you know, and I, like even in the, I would just walk, even if all I could do is walk for five minutes, like there's both from the, just the physical, like just keeping your body moving, but also like it's dissipating your cortisol, like all the stress going on. Like there was something about just dissipating what I could getting it out. Like no matter what, like that to me at the end of the day is what saved me is I just kept moving you know, and my steps were inches at times because like, that's all I had, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it was, you know, moving from the hospital bed to, to, to the chair, whatever mm-hmm. it was, but I just, I did not allow myself to resign, even though that door, like I, there's people knocking on that door, like just quit, you know, like yeah. everything inside me is like, just let it go. And I'm like, I, I won't like, it's, you fought, fight this hard to then be taken down. I'm like, no, I won't do it. And, right. um, and I think you also have to prepare for the possibility of being that 1%, not in a fearful way, but like I took seven weeks off thinking that, you know, initially that I was like, in a day about two weeks to like do the physical recovery. And I was like setting myself up for success, you know, and I have a luxury as, you know, being in my own, you know, private practice that, that, you know, well, it's a luxury in that I can set my own schedule, but you know, when you don't work, right. you don't get paid. So it's not like I right. had vacation, you know, but it's more that I was thinking, 
I'm doing, I'm doing this like, like the best I can. So I got like five weeks to like, you know, get the meal prepping down, like, you know, kind of figure mm-hmm. out my stuff so that I could have be successful at this. Well, I needed all seven weeks, you know, just to like, like recover from everything that was going on. So I think, you know, a lot of people like I got to get right back to work, you know, and I think learning how to say like, give yourself more time than you think, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you've got like somebody that's going to be, be with you. Like those first two weeks, my friend Claire was my lifeline. She's like I, I literally couldn't have made it without her being by my side, you know, for, for that. And, and so I think just having that mindset of like, you know, do everything you can to, you know, on, in terms of preparing and doing what they say, like you know, people that like, Oh, I don't really want to do that liver shrinking diet to the, you know, the degree they want you to do it. Like, no, mm-hmm. you do that because that gives them more availability in your belly to get where they got to go, you know, because right. you, you know, you get your organs shrunk down. Like you're, you're everything. Like my, what my doctor said to me is everything you do now will benefit you afterwards. You know, so I did the, you know, the diet, the shrinking, liver shrinking diet for longer than most people do it. You know. Um, just because the way it worked out, like we met in June and I had surgery on August the 23rd, you know, cause I didn't have the surgery waiting period. I didn't have any of those kinds of things. So my process was very quickly. Once the decision, once I made the decision, that journey came quick, mm-hmm. you know? And so he basically said, start doing it now. Like not to the, you know, down to the total amount, but I started this shrinking everything and get rid of, you know, sugar, you know, the best I could, you know, all these things. I started all that in the beginning and it benefited me, you know, in so many ways that they could access what they needed to in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think in, in so many ways, the patterns you set up, like even going to the gym, I started that pattern during that season, like, okay, I'm going to start doing all this now so that, you know, that it's already in me, mm-hmm. you know, as, a, as how I live my life so that when I'm on the other side of surgery, these are the, my, these are the things I return to because, the thing that, you know, for many people, like, you know, food was been our comfort food replaced something mm-hmm. relationally that didn't get met. And here I was like the very thing that I used for comfort was now literally my enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I you know I couldn't, my body didn't want anything to do with it. So now here I'm feeling vulnerable out here. Like I don't have anything. And what I, what I, thankfully what I did have is I had movement. It's like, I just like, I walked my deck because at the beginning, like, that's all I could do. You know, then I walked the road back and forth and my neighbor's like, there's this person just doing this, you know, you know, and, uh, and so, um, that to me, I'm so thankful that those habits were already started for me because that I will always look back as one of the things that really saved me was I just never quit moving. Well, I think that's the perfect place to to end this conversation, actually, because yeah. you just keep moving forward. Yeah. I do yeah. have one more question, oh. though. And it's a now new question that we moment. just asked. I know. You, <laughs> can okay. edit, you can edit it out <laughs> if you want to. We, we can have an encore goodbye. You know, so. <laughs> so I've added this question at the very end. Do you have any funny or entertaining post-anesthesia stories? And mm. you've had a bunch of surgeries. So right. I have so a bunch of surgeries. One in there. <laughs> well, I mean, I've had so much anesthesia in my life. Um, what I would say is I'm more so I'm 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 really I'm really bitchy. 
you know? And so, uh, and I'm just like, you give me what I want, you know, or you're all going to pay, you know? And, and so, um, so I think more, it was, it was more that I, how do I say this? Um, I wouldn't say they were funny stories. I think what, what they got to see was my, was my grit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I, and I think they all really appreciate that. I had a nurse that she, she was so funny. Like, I'm like, you need to cut the sleeves off this shirt because I was (laughs) like, my way. They're in my way and it needs to go because they had to put multiple IVs in me. And, um, and so, and this was when they put the feeding tube, that first feeding tube I had. And so she's like, you look like you just came out of the state pen, you know? And, and so because, I mean, it did, because she, we just literally had to like cut and rip. So I had this like kind of muscle shirt going on and it really, truly. So I think I found a way to, we found ways to laugh, you know? And so yeah. it wasn't so much that, oh, I had these weird thoughts or, you know, weird dreams or, you know, ran around naked or anything like that. It's more <laughs> like, there's a part of me that's like, you fix this and you fix it now, you know? And then, and then if I found someone that could like join me in that, then there was a Mm -hmm. way that we just found like some humor and like, I I still kept that. I had to, I, you know, I'm like, I'm taking this home with me. And so I had that, like, you know, state pen, you know, um, shirt, you know, it doesn't fit anymore, but I'm like, I have to keep this because it has a memory to it. So I'm putting it in a shadow box. It's going to go in the living room. Right. Right. So somebody um, print me my, my, patient ID number. That's going to be my inmate ID. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I have some Dilaudid stories cause I was on a lot of Dilaudid. And so I have photos, oh. I have photos of me where I'm blowing up the, the gloves in the room and I'm like putting to my face. And so I have, and I don't remember taking any of these photos, you know, but I'm yes. like, I have all this, what I called like anesthesia art, you know? And so like, it was just there or Dilaudid art, I think is what I called it. And and so like some of those, like, when you look back, like, I don't remember doing that. Like, I have photos, so I think that's more like, but no one would see that stuff. You know, it was just more for me, but. Oh um, man. But, Delotted. Yeah. It was good stuff. Yeah. We're good friends. Yeah. 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 We're great yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah. Especially the button, like that button. I was like, come on, give me oh, some I, more. You got to give me some I more. Didn't get a button. He didn't, you didn't have, have a button didn't. either. No. Oh, you guys got cheated. Like the 10 minute button. It was yeah. like, it was like this satisfaction ding. And then you just wait. And it goes, you know. no, I, yeah. I had back surgery. I had a, a spinal fusion and I had to wait an hour between the, in the Dilaudid injections. Like they would just they'd screw oh. it into the, into the IV yeah. and push it in. But like about 30 seconds after they pushed it in, I felt great. Yeah. And sure. about 90 seconds after that, I was out. <laughs> or at least I yeah. think I was out. I don't know if I said or did anything, but like two minutes, I was gone. Wow. And it would it would numb the pain and then I'd wake up and I'd deal with it for 15, 30 minutes and call the nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, the button was great because I, I literally kept it in my hand and I just Man. kept pushing, waiting for those oh. 10 minutes to go by, you know, and it wouldn't release, you know, I kept trying, but then I was like, Ding, and I'm like, and I'm smiling. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have really yeah. enjoyed talking to you and yes. hearing your story. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's glad, been great and to... I'm glad you're doing so much better now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's been a journey and it's good to be able to begin to talk about it more and 
and uh, been wonderful to be with you guys and, and uh, um, hope the rest of your evening goes well. And you too. You too. Yeah. yeah. Get that story out there. I think a lot of people need to hear it. It. It yeah. needs to be the story, not the footnote, because yeah. it's not a footnote to you. It's your story. Yeah. So. And I, on my Instagram page, I started writing like chunks of that first year, like in segments uh-huh. so that people can see some of that. And I have I have some more to do to that. And then I actually get to speak at the bariatric retreat in Orlando this year. And so, oh, um, so yeah, so that'll be fun to to even be able to bring some more, you know, my story there and, and yeah. all that. So. Well, good yeah. for you. Yeah. So hopeful that it'd be told and, you know, more places to do that. But thank you for allowing me to be part of your guys' podcast. And thank and, you for uh, being here. Absolutely. Have a good night. You, you too. too. Okay. Bye. Bye. So that was our talk with Melanie. I very much enjoyed talking to her. She was. That story was unbelievable yeah i was gonna say she was a lot of fun to talk to but then i felt like that would be lessening the the challenges of what she's been through for the last two years and and honestly like it never even occurred to me that anything would go wrong with me me either and seeing hearing someone that has like I said, it, you know, usually it's like, oh, this happens in 1% of cases. If this happens, contact your doctor. And that's the end of it. But right. that three sentences has been her life for the last two, two, two and a half fucking years. Yeah. That was nuts. I'm so glad she's doing better. And I love how she said she just kept moving. Right. Just kept moving. And, and I mean, that applies to all areas of life. Just keep moving. Yep. Find that challenge that you choose, not the one that you're. That was so beautiful. The way that you said that. Thank you. Because I mean, that hike sounded, I mean, it would definitely be a challenge for you and me. Yeah. I I don't think I could do it. No, you wouldn't. Neither could I. (laughs) And she conquered it herself. She conquered all of that herself. Talking about doing a 30-minute 5K, and I almost said, well, I can walk a mile in an, in 20 minutes. I know. I, was thinking, <laughs> I can walk a 5K in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, oh, man, a 10-minute mile, and we're excited that we're in, like, 19 and a half minutes. Right. <laughs> she wants to do a 9-minute, we're at 19 minutes. Fuck that. <laughs> we'll never get there. <laughs> But, I mean, she probably thought the same thing. That's true. Walking laps around the nurse's station. like That's true. Now she's running 5Ks in 30 minutes, under 30 minutes. Join us next time. We'll have another interesting story, I'm sure. Maybe there'll be more witty banter. Maybe there will. Bye. Bye. This is just a reminder that neither Amanda nor Chris are doctors and you should always talk to your doctor before making any changes. This is our journey and our opinions. You can always find us on Instagram at Bariatric Life Podcast and help support us by clicking subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to have new episodes every Sunday.